0: now he has a lot of money and oftentimes it does seem that people with a lot of money or like a lot of money seem to think they have all the answers and the, the best leaders i've been around i don't know about you tend to be the ones that recognize what they don't know and mm-hmm. pepper doesn't seem to be one of those guys
1: no no it's uh you know i think i think you get a distorted sense of self when you make that much money um but we do know that Carnegie Mellon was was actually named after uh, a very famous business person, um, Thornton Mellon.
0: Welcome to Wait What? Sports biz Chat with DP and McGee, the podcast that takes a sometimes irreverent, sometimes cynical, and on occasion a serious look at the business of sports. I'm your co-host, David Parro.
1: And I'm Tim McGee.
0: So this show is a post-Thanksgiving show, but I'd like to think of it carrying a Thanksgiving theme because we didn't do a show last uh, last week. And I'll say right off the bat that this is our 75th show. 75th. So I figure that's something to be thankful for.
1: Yeah. Well, that's something to be amazed at.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree. So Tim, what's on your mind?
1: Well, let's start with, uh, one of our favorite topics, golf, right? We're in the sort of the silly season now, but, um, some big news over the last couple of weeks, first of all, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, new venture TGL has delayed their start until 2025. Um ostensibly because there was a collapse of their facility in Florida, the SoFi Dome. Um, But sort of reading between the lines or connecting the dots, whatever analogy you want to use or metaphor, whatever it is, um, you know, there was an announcement or there was a rumor that John Rahm is considering uh, a $600 million offer from Liv. Now he had, previously dropped out of uh tgl so i'm wondering if there is some connection there between him potentially joining live and uh and that decision delay
0: well well the other piece of it which does make sense i mean the reality is is yes there was damage at the facility but that could have been repaired in time i'm no doubt about that um, but the ESPN situation, I think, was a real one, right? Where, where are the programming slots going to be? And there was some concern about whether or not they were going to be able to get that positioned well. So, you know, waiting another year for that. But, yeah, the ROM situation is absolutely fascinating at a time when, you know, you got you got Brooks Kepka kind of slamming Liv, um, not telling the, the players exactly what the full schedule is going to be and so forth. So it would have seemed like, and we've talked about this a lot, that Liv was on more life support than anything else. But the ROM rumors, you know, certainly it's plausible because he hasn't denied them. Um, And yes, he turned down this, this, you know, otherwise, uh, what seemed like he was going to be in with the Tiger and Rory venture that the PGA Tour is a partner in, by the way. So yeah, a lot going on. I mean, so much, so much going on around golf and it's just, it's just nonstop. Um, you know, the bashing, you know, Jay, Jay Monahan kind of coming back. He, he came out this week and said firmly that the, the, uh, uh investment fund, the Saudi private investment fund situation, or excuse me, I keep saying that public investment fund is going to Move forward. Right. Yeah, But the, but the self-imposed
1: uh, deadline was 1231. And, you know, given that there's holidays, a lot of people are starting to think at the very least that date is going to slip. Yeah. Which which, you know, this rumor about ROM may be a negotiating tactic. Right. Trying to uh, exert some leverage on the conversations. Yeah, on the part it, of the PIF.
0: yeah, it could be. And interestingly, I mean, and I'm getting confused by this, because we have we have public investment fund, we have PIF, and we have PIP, the player impact program, right? Um. So I'm getting very, very confused by all that, because this was a thing to stem. Right, stem the mutiny, if you will, um, right, people leaving and to offer additional money. Uh, for players that create a social strong social footprint. Well, guess who ends up being the top of that leaderboard? Rory and Tiger.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> and so it's definitely a case of the rich getting richer, which I think if you're a journeyman player or someone trying to make their way up, a potential live deal makes sense. Now, another interesting piece of this story is a player, and the name is escaping me, I should have written this down before, but that basically got booted from live because they have these contracts and not everybody is back for the next year because it's in no way an open format, uh, left, rejoined the DP World Tour. Liv had to actually pay his fine to get him back in. And then he goes out and he wins the first tournament.
1: You know Travis Smith?
0: Yeah, that sounds like about right. Yep. So, I mean, it's just the, the, these, these storylines and the, the interconnectedness of all of this stuff is pretty amazing.
1: And, and you know, honestly, you know, it's really starting to... Uh, test the, the the old axiom that any publicity is good publicity yeah. Um, yeah tiger is on the player policy board and you know i don't know if he directly took rory's spot but rory is no longer on it so there is still that representation um, and the conversations apparently are still going on with fenway sports group and some other Private equity firms for them to make a significant investment in in the PGA Tour. So who knows what's going to happen.
0: And we haven't even mentioned Phil Mickelson continuing to just talk. He just will keep, he just keeps talking and he's ripping everything. He's still at war with his biographer. And it doesn't seem like he has a lot of fans uh, uh, inside the tour right now. Um, But he, you know, he's kind of on a mission to. Uh, and he's listen, he's taking credit and he can take a certain degree of credit for the moves that the PGA Tour had to make to start tr- throwing more money out at, uh, at players because of the stance he took. But,
1: but he was one of several, right? Who took, you know, he had the biggest guarantee from Liv, but it's not like he was the only one who jumped ship,
0: right? And yeah, he, he tended to be, he was, he was pretty outspoken on it all though he didn't do it with any you know, he didn't demure from that at all
1: no no he certainly was not shy about you know even when he backtracked on his comments about um you know saudi arabia and their human rights record mm-hmm. um he yeah he has been in many ways he's been more front and center than greg norman has been
0: well greg norman is you, Greg Norman is a, an enigma here. I mean, he was not part of any of the discussions between the Saudis and and the PGA Tour, and yet he continues to try to you know state a strong position. And I guess that's what you do in that in that in that scenario. Uh, but if the I continue to believe that if the deal closes, if it closes as Jay Monahan believes it will, that live as we know it is not around, and Greg Norman is certainly. Not a part of that. I
1: I I would agree, Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen in time
0: for Live to dissolve before this season, right? right? Yeah, we're going to have to go forward
1: as if as if it's business as usual until the deal signs. By
0: the way, Alan Shipnuck is the is the biographer I was referring to that Phil is in a war with, and it's like a it's like a uh, Elon Musk, you know, you know. Twitter rampages now. They're just like going at each other with the language back and forth. It's like what a crazy time we live in.
1: I wonder how I wonder how many books it's actually sold because I, I don't think you know. I, I, personally, I wouldn't find a biography of Phil Mickelson particularly compelling. Mm, but right. I could be I could be in the well. I think the reason
0: of, that it was and it wasn't an authorized one. It was one where he talks about his gambling problems and so
1: forth, which are well, which were well known, right?
0: Yeah. Well, well, Phil is basically denying everything this guy's ever said and and Shipnuck is like no, this is what happened. This is what this guy's all about. And now he's at a point where you could tell he like wants to expose Phil for everything that he did. Hey,
1: listen, if you got the re- if you got the receipt, yep. show them.
0: All right. All right. What else
1: you got on your mind? Well,
0: listen, you know at a time when there's 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 always this concern that we've hit a point where television rights deals might stall or or scale back. And then we just have a, an announcement of NASCAR signing a $7.7 billion uh, worth of rights um, with new partners involved, including streaming partners. Um, so an average of $1.1 billion per year, a 40% increase over what they had had. And what it includes, they've actually split it up, which... We'll see how it goes. So Fox starts the season as they normally do,
1: fourteen races. Yeah, Four and, then they, started started Am- and then, then they move over to and then they move
0: over to Amazon right. Prime to stream five, I think. And then they go over to kind of a hybrid with Warner Brothers Discovery, and that they'll be shown on on Turner channels uh, as well as on HBO uh, Max or Max, I guess Max, Sports okay. tier. Uh, Excuse me. Um, you know, it's kind of hard because I had this problem. Someone said something about max to me. What's the max password? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you would have said HBO Max password, I would have known what that is, but now right. I've got a yes. So I get the rebrand, but sorry. Not to
1: be not to be confused with Cinemax, where <laughs> prepubescent and boys would go after their parents went to bed to look for Stop. skin, skin flicks. Um, uh, you know what's anyway. interesting? What's interesting is that while fox and nbc both have fewer races than in the current package they're both saying that they're going to put more of the races on their sports platforms right so fs1 for fox and peacock for or i'm sorry usa network for Mm -hmm. nbc which is interesting i thought there would be i thought fewer races would mean more on the main networks but what do i know
0: well i think it's just a a continued movement to it's not really a dilution it's just that there's no you know the idea that the abc's NBCs, cbs's and fox are the thing is just a, it's a it's a bygone era yeah you know it's like get them to the place where people are used to seeing that content i think that becomes more important and and that's what they're doing with fs1 um and uh and usa now i mean you know and that USA thing for NBC Universal is a is a thing of the last year really. I mean obviously they were putting um uh you know various programming over there but it's just like because they had it now it you know it's the channel for um you know to be covering sports stuff. So it's just it, it's fascinating times and a, a credit to to Steve Phelps and and all the folks there that that were involved in the negotiation of that deal. I think it it bodes well for the future. I mean, you know, we had Mark Lazarus on and, and he certainly talked about their commitment to the sport. We've had Jeff Burton on and talked about, you know, kind of, you know, NBC's embracing of of NASCAR. And as the, I guess, lead American form of motorsport, it, it certainly shows a continued strength where I think people have questioned its challenges demographically, right? That it has an aging audience, you know, along the lines of say baseball uh, the issues that maybe baseball has had, but to those parties that are of interest in, in, benefiting from this, including the, the tracks themselves and the, and the teams and so forth, this is a huge, huge win for, uh, for the NASCAR organization.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to them. I mean, and it's been widely reported that NBC is interested in getting the NBA back when those rates come up. So maybe by taking, taking fewer races, they mm. free up some money for the NBA. Um, what will be really interesting to watch is how Amazon handles audience measurement and reporting that, right? Because if you're a media buyer, um, you know, and, and you want to get your, your clients in, in NASCAR, M- uh, uh, you know, NFL, um, MLB games, uh, at some point, they're going to have to be transparent, I would think. In terms of uh, you know, in terms of how they uh, report their audience. Now, I don't know if you you were gone, so you probably didn't watch the Black Friday game on Amazon, um, Black being the operative word as a jets fan. Um, but interesting integration of e-commerce into um, you know, into the broadcast, which I think is going to have tremendous value for brands going forward. Um, you know, not just uh, advertisers, but team sponsors. Right. If they, you know, if they buy on on the broadcast and and they're able to, um, you know, deliver, you know, imagine being able to bring consumers so much further down the funnel. Right. Through advertising.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's pretty amazing what what Amazon will be able to do. And so they don't necessarily have to hit the same numbers um, that maybe, you know, their broadcast brethren. Um, would normally need to do. But the game you referenced was a a 34-13 win by Miami over the Jets. 9.61 million viewers, according to Nielsen. So they did get that number. Um, Pete did Uh, 11.18 million um, within a certain 15-minute slot. So I think there was some predictions that the number was going to be bigger, but the first attempt at a Black Friday game still ended up being the most watched game of the day. There were some college games on uh, mm-hmm. as well, and it just it just highlight. Well, it didn't highlight because the Thanksgiving numbers were just off the chart for the NFL, um, uh, with with averages of thirty three point six million among the various games that were on. Uh, it's just mind boggling. You can't get thirty three million people to agree to anything in this country. You know, I know it's a holiday, and it's you know, football is part of that. NFL is part of this American holiday. There's no no doubt about it. But those those numbers are 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 massive. Forty one point eight million for the Commanders Cowboys. I mean, yeah, I
1: mean, I, listen, the, uh, say what you want about them, the, you know. And I know Terry Lufton's not a big fan of the Cowboys, but they draw. They continue to draw, and that well. is you know, and that's sort of a throwback game, right? I, I it's hard to call it a it's hard to call it a rivalry when neither team has been particularly good over the last few years but it is right it's an old sort of an old school NFC East
0: rivalry game there, there's just no question it's it's irrefutable that the NFL the strength of the NFL is still obviously there and as a television product it is second to none so when we're talking about the PGA tour or NASCAR uh, or F1 or the NBA or Major League Baseball or NHL Compared to the NFL in the United States, there isn't a comparison. The product is just absolutely made for television and to deliver these type of numbers. The formula is just stronger on the NFL. uh, And and, and apparently to the American audience, obviously the entertainment value.
1: There's no comparison, Mm. right? It's just, you know, continues to be just a joke
0: yeah. at those numbers i mean at those numbers you're not talking about a targeted demographic you're just talking about massive audiences
1: right which which other programming used to be able to deliver back in the day right before the fractional fracturing of of all mm-hmm. the the viewing right um, opportunities but that is that continues to be the the only thing that can deliver that consistently mm-hmm. so what else what else? What else do we got? I want to – well, let's let's stay on the NFL theme. David Tepper fired another coach, this time Frank Reich, um, after 11 games. First time in many years that a coach was fired mid, that early in the season in his first year. Um, I, I, he – I think – and I'm reluctant to do this because – I do want the Jets to be first in something. uh, But David Tepper may be the worst owner in professional football now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Snyder is no longer among us. Right. So we don't get that easy material anymore. But Tepper's Tepper's stepping right in, it seems. And he's getting getting clobbered by the press. And I'm not always on the side of the press on this, but he... He was apparently supposed to be taking questions, and he just basically blew everybody off and said, "No, no, nobody's happy with them." Obviously, the Panthers are a complete disarray. They didn't get their capital developments that they were looking to execute over the last year. I don't think they've, you know, gotten some of those things off the ground. Um, I, I don't know the man. I will say this though: I did see him get, deliver a commencement address at Carnegie Mellon back in I think 2018. It wasn't good. It was not good. <laughs> it's just so funny. When I, when he, after the the Reich news broke, and then the subsequent stuff that just started coming out, basically saying is, is, um, is David Tepper, you know, the worst owner in sports, that type of stuff. Of course, I flashed back to saying he definitely gave one of the worst commencement addresses I've ever seen.
1: Well, you mentioned Elon Musk earlier, right? And somebody, you know, after his meltdown at the New York Times event yesterday, somebody said, you know, when are we gonna when are we gonna acknowledge that being good at really, you know, making a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean you're really good at running a business?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the idea of making a lot of money and tra- that translating into management of a of a complicated organization in some regards. Um, that have multiple interests and a public trust on top of that is not just making money and having a having a hedge fund that people will invest in you. And so, I yeah, it is a different skill. And I'm not I'm not saying I mean the guy the guy made a lot of money, which is how he and he gave a lot of money, which is how he got the commencement address um, because he has a school named after him at, at Carnegie Mellon, and I think he went to Pitt undergrad, hmm. um, but. And and he does sound like a guy that, you know, kind of was raised working class and he made a lot of money, but now he has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. And oftentimes it does seem that people with a lot of money, like a lot of money, seem to think they have all the answers. And the, the best leaders I've been around, I don't know about you, tend to be the ones that recognize what they don't know. And mm-hmm. Pepper doesn't seem to be one of those guys.
1: No, no, it's uh, you know, I think I think you get a distorted sense of self when you make that much money. Um, But we do know that Carnegie Mellon was was actually named after uh, a very famous business person, um, Thornton Mellon. Correct. Um, Am I?
0: Yeah, it was a combination relationship between Thornton Mellon and Andrew Carnegie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they, They went back to school together. Um, a lot of money in plus-size clothing. <laughs> that movie's so good. That movie's so funny. My favorite part among many was the whole Kurt Vonnegut thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Vonnegut. What do you know about Vonnegut writes the kid's paper and right. he gets like a D in it and he gets all pissed at Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, anyway, if you haven't seen the movie, sorry, we're making a, another movie reference to the movie, the the great late the late great Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School. Yeah, um, and uh, a great cameo by Kurt Thornton. <laughs> right. Uh, I think know, I just botched the whole thing, but I, it's a clear in my head anyway.
1: Yeah, and you know, of course, you know Thornton Mellon popularized the triple indy. Trip, when, yeah, when
0: he joined the right. The, we're, uh, yeah, because he used to do it down at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, there was a guy in Atlantic City did this craziest dive I've ever seen. <laughs> oh man, uh, we're
1: so far off the rails. Okay. Right now, I don't think we can even get back on him.
0: Yeah. Um. So, moving f- away from David Tepper, what the hell? The story that broke this week on SI. And the AI-generated stuff, which of course they're they're denying, and I don't know if I know what the true story is, but it's pretty it, it, it it's pretty big news. And certainly, obviously, all the writers and those people that have been longtime Sports Illustrated fans, you know, which was the gold standard of sports journalism, it's now owned by uh, the Arena Group. Um, man, it really hit a lot of people hard, didn't it?
1: Yeah, they're only claiming they're claiming they only used AI um, when uh, when when they were doing like advertorial pieces, right? Not not journalism per se, um, but writers are disputing that. In fact, they're saying that they made up reporters' names to affix to the byline. I don't know what's worse, uh, doing it or denying if it if it's true,
0: right? Well, they've also said that the the articles in question were somewhat licensed out to a third party. We've, we've heard that before, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know if that that certainly doesn't seem to absolve them. If it were the case, but it. Um, but I mean, you know, with all the talk of AI and what it is and what it can be, and there we just finished up a, a writer's strike on this stuff. This. It kind of hit home with this, right? This this almost felt like this was the thing that maybe people got it or understood what it what it could mean um, to the future of that profession uh, and the way we the way certainly that that sports is covered, if not in general news.
1: Yeah, and it comes not long after the New York Times firing the entire sports mm. desk and then outsourcing it to the athletic writers which, you know, the times owns, but the big difference there is the New York times sports writers were unionized and the writers for the athletic are not. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there has been sort of, uh, you know, a gradual decline in in the types of types of journalism you see around sports. Right. Right. You know, I go back, I'm old enough to remember, you know, guys like Frank DeFord and, Dan Jenkins, you know, uh, you know, even Mike Lupica, who's now, you know, writing novels in the uh, Spencer series, right, uh, popularized by Robert uh, B. Parker, who passed away. Um, but um, you know, it's the continued decline of of sports sports journalism, unfortunately. Yeah. Wanted to go back for a second, talking about owners. Somebody on the flip side, right, who's considered a pretty good owner, if not one that's very outspoken, was um, Mm. Mark Cuban, selling the majority ownership in the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Adelson, who's the widow of, uh, you know, the casino uh, magnet, Sheldon Adelson, who passed away a couple of years ago. He maintains control of basketball operations which i think is where his passion is anyway right well and but, he's
0: still the majority you know shareholder so i think he does have yeah. a controlling interest right? right right and then
1: uh and he also announced that he's uh he's stepping down from shark tank right which so course- I, I have a feeling he's starting he's thinking about writing that next chapter whatever that next chapter yeah is. and I, I it obviously- might be a casino. they're they're talking about wanting to get uh casinos and sports betting legalized in Texas which is not um second most populous state in the country behind California um so obviously it would be huge market opportunity
0: yeah and it's fueled a little bit of the rumors that have surfaced in the past about him potentially running for public office which he says he's not doing (coughs) president you know Cuban has been one of the more visible owners in sports he does never shies away from the spotlight those in Dallas and particularly Mavs fans, I feel love him because he he brought him a championship uh, and he uh, he understands the concept of of customer service, it seems, quite well. He engages with fans perhaps better than most because of his technology background. I think he adapted that very quickly. He's not everybody's taste. There's no doubt about it. I've had some things that have bugged me a little about him, but... You know, you can't deny that he that he puts forth an effort to um, to run a heck of an organization to be competitive. Uh, but, man, he turned a pretty big profit on that uh, on that portion based on on what he bought the organization for.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, you know, virtually every owner has. Right. But I listen, I you know, I, I think he's he's outspoken. Obviously, I like you. I there's not I don't agree with everything that he says or does. Um, but there are a hell of a lot worse owners out there in terms of you know making fools of themselves.
0: So yeah, that is uh, that is big news. I mean, he's always he's listen. He in this business, he is somebody to to follow, and you kind of always want to know what is on Mark Cuban's uh, mind and and what he's looking at. Want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break, and we'll come back.
1: All right, so we're back, um, and now's the part of the show where we take a look forward. Um, David, what are you looking forward to over the next week or two?
0: Well, there are a couple things, but before I go there, I do want to give you a shout-out and a big congratulations on being named vice chair of the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, the Atlanta Tip-Off Club is the organization that runs the annual Naismith Awards, and Tim has been not only a uh an ambassador um for those awards he's been on uh the board there it's something of passion for him and um my friend that was awesome and um I, I just wanted to say congratulations here publicly
1: thank you that's very kind of you it's uh it it really is an honor and um you know thank you to the entire board and eric oberman a past guest and Barry Goheen who will continue as the chairman of the board. So i excited about this, this year's college.
0: Yeah, we assume, we assume what that means as not only the vice chair of the Atlanta Hip Hop Club, but a co-host of, wait, what? Is that you'll be giving us all kinds of like scoop and inside information as to <laughs> where things are leaning with the Naismith Awards? No, no,
1: well, I, can't, I can't do that. that. I will tell you that, uh, uh, you know, It is. It's really interesting to see. And one of the things I'm looking forward to is we have the two reigning winners back, which I can't remember the last time that happened. Right. We've got Caitlin Clark from Iowa, who's gotten off to a tremendous start, um, and Zach Eadie, who is leading uh, the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers, um, both of whom came back and, and both of whom have gotten off to fantastic starts. But there's just so many. So many great players on both sides, you know. Angel Reese now is back. She missed a few games. I don't know if we'll ever find out why she was not in the lineup for four games for LSU. Paige Beckers is back at UConn. Yeah. Fully, apparently fully recovered from her knee injury. Um, you know, worked incredibly hard to get back onto the court. Um, but there's just so many great players, and you know, I'll I'll keep I'll keep us posted on the on the watch list as that's updated throughout. Cool. the and that I'll promise you.
0: All right. Well, in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I'm 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 home in New York after, you know, somewhat of a crazy travel to Las Vegas uh, and then Abu Dhabi right after that um for the last two races of the Formula 1 season. So I am looking forward to getting some sleep and and this isn't really a sports thing, but spending time analyzing my Spotify rap rap information. And part of the reason is is because in going over in all of the stuff coming through that I kind of glanced at quickly, from Spotify, and they do this end of year program, which is very cool. It tells you what you've listened to and 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 what percentages breakdown. It's really fascinating. That wait, what came up very strong, not surprisingly, and I and I wanted to say to you that that if you actually listen to this podcast, Tim, it, <laughs> it would hopefully show up in yours. Uh, as well, but I'd love, I, I would love to hear from some other people and see if, uh, if, if, from the podcast side, if wait, what showed up on anyone's, so I'd be very, excited. you know, I haven't
1: gotten my list from Spotify yet, so I don't know what's on it. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Wait What is on there?
0: Um, well, I'm, I, 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 I kind of love this product and it's just amazing how many people now use it in marketing. I saw an agency out of Chicago TSMGI that put out kind of their rip off of it, if you will, but a, a nice kind of, you know, cheeky little take on wrapped, um, And it talked about the highlights of the programs that they had worked on. It just has become something that is part of our culture now, I guess. And I will I will brag on um, Karen's daughter, um, uh, my partner's daughter, uh, Morgan Hecht, who was very involved in the development of that early on in her career at Spotify. Very cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like super cool. Um and she's pretty she's 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 sharp. Um, so anyway, uh, it's just kind of evolved into this cool thing. Um, also, I figure this might be somebody that uh, that you noticed had passed away today, just a shout out as we're kind of heading to the holiday season. A lot of people think of that great pogue song, fairy tale of new York. um uh, Shane mcgowan, um the the songwriter and and kind of frontman for the Pogues um, passed away, uh, troubled, but, but perhaps genius, uh, musician and certainly, uh, genius lyricist. So anyway, I, I
1: I am a big Pogues fan. I, and I don't say this facetiously. I, I'm glad we had him for 65 years, Mm. um, because he did, he did have a lot of issues. Um, and, uh, yeah, he did, he did pass away right before, uh, he no doubt now his his heirs will get a fairly significant royalty check um uh, because that song is played you know throughout um, th- throughout the holiday season. it's for those of you who haven't listened to it, it's one of the I dare say the darkest uh love song slash Christmas song that you could possibly listen to
0: well, one of the yeah, one of the things that's tough about that is is Kirsty McCall is passed as well and she died tragically and she was i mean i hear her voice and it just makes uh, oh like an angel oh oh and you don't even know some of the stuff like the harmony background vocal stuff she appeared on where you just hear this this amazing singing in the background and then then you're you told who it is you're like oh yeah that makes sense but yeah she died in a kind of a bad boating accident in mexico which is just horrible that the two and the video to that song, by the way, that we're talking about, is amazing to watch as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, anyway, what about you?
1: Well, I think we we've got uh, the the conference championships this mm-hmm. weekend in football are going to be uh, potentially just you know earth shattering, right? Uh, if if everybody you know holds serve, right, then we'll probably have you know Texas Georgia. Michigan and, and Washington in the, in the, uh, playoffs, but, you know, Alabama had a remarkable win over Auburn. They're playing in the sec championship, you know, uh, oh, I should say Florida state probably would be in there. My, my bad. Um, they're playing Louisville, which could, you know, obviously beat them. And, you know, Michigan should beat Iowa, but you never know. Right. And, and this is, you know, this is the last year we're going to have this, right. Um, right at least to this, you know, sort of con- concentrated degree, right? Next year, you know, whoever's on the outside looking in will complain, right? Um, but um, but having four teams and having, you know, seven teams potentially able to, to get in there is pretty incredible.
0: So if one of those top four loses, except Georgia, because Georgia's definitely in, even if they lose, but if Alabama wins the SEC championship and- then
1: I think they both
0: make it. So they leapfrog that far.
1: I you beat Georgia.
0: I I don't disagree. I'm just asking the
1: question. Yeah, I mean I don't see how, you know.
0: I mean I think Florida State should take care of business.
1: Yes, but Louisville's not a is not a No, it's
0: over. not a patsy. Good team, yeah. I
1: I, do, I think they'll give Florida State more of a more of a game than Iowa will give Michigan if i had to make a prediction.
0: Yeah, Which Michigan's not. not but, yeah. I mean, Iowa can't score against a team with a bad defense. Yeah, Michigan. Iowa is. Iowa's record is remarkable given how bad their offense has been.
1: Yeah, and Michigan is just Despite everything swirling around
0: them this year, just oh, they're good. Just took
1: care of business. I uh, mean, beat a very, very good Ohio I State. I mean, on team.
0: honestly, honestly, it's almost as though that entire thing was like perfectly timed to just get them incredibly ready for that game against the Buckeyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, suppose it. Supposedly, Jim Harbaugh was watching from home. I find that if he was, he had a direct line to the to the sideline. I would think. Bobby Valentine. Yeah. With the, <laughs> the cheesy mustache and um but that's one of my favorite sports moments of all time. Now the athletic director at uh, Sacred Heart University. I don't know why, really but that dramatic. just was like,
0: just so classic anyway. Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, because it sort of makes a farce of the whole idea of yeah. of of you know ejecting a manager. All right. With that. I think it's time to close the show, so I will thank you, David. Welcome home. I know you logged uh, hundreds of thousands of miles this year, um, so hopefully you get to stay at home for a little while before you get back out on the road for next season. Um, But thank you to all of you who listen. Please follow, share, um, comment. We love to hear from you. Until next week, he's DP, I'm McGee, and we'll talk soon.